Hey, good morning. Everybody, good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Welcome everybody over in Pewaukee and online on the other side of the camera. And uh, welcome everybody here in uh, Waukesha. You guys, uh, anybody going to watch the Super Bowl uh, later today? Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, how many of you, show of applause, how many of you think the Chiefs are going to win? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, 49ers? Ah, sounds like Chiefs. How many of you are just glad the Patriots aren't in it? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, a moment ago, we handed out these, uh, these fun green envelopes. And I know this might be difficult for some of you that are overly curious, but hold on to that. Don't open it. And uh, we'll open it uh, later, uh, later on in the uh, message. But I will say you're going like, uh, to like what's inside of that. So today we begin a new series. I've been praying that this would be challenging, life-altering, and helpful for you, most of our lives, we, we want to avoid the label atypical. From, from very early on, we want to be labeled typical. We want to be normal, hip, cool. You know, we want to, we want to fit, fit, fit in. Some of us even have some painful memories of getting labeled atypical, uh, maybe early in uh, life, or maybe we were labeled odd. I don't know. Maybe you were, uh, maybe it was because of your haircut. Maybe your mom used one of these Floby. Uh, home haircutting systems that you hook up to your vacuum cleaner and, you know, you had this bald spot on the back of your head and uh, you had to go to school. Or you had the haircut like Floby One Kenobi uh, here, a haircut from a galaxy far, far away or, or, or something like that. All our lives, we want to be normal. We want to be typical. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. And so we spend our lives thinking like typical people think living like typical people live, doing what typical people do. And so we end up with what typical people end up with. And there's no area of life where this is more true than finances. Here's what typical is when it comes to our finances. Typical is living beyond our means. Typical is broke. Typical is maxed out credit cards and piles of debt. Typical is the inability to be generous when we want to be typical is, is arguing uh, with, with, with our spouse about uh, finances, living from paycheck to paycheck. Last year, the Federal Reserve found that 40% of Americans would struggle to come up with $400 for an emergency. 40% of us. Another study found 25% of Americans use credit cards for basic life expenses. And the average student graduates college with over $30,000 in student loans. No wonder we're stressed out financially. No wonder the number one cause of divorce in North America is financial stress. Let's be honest, typical is not working. And so here's the big idea for this uh, series. If you want what typical people have financially, then do what typical people do. But if you want what few people have financially then do what few people do. It's time for us to get atypical. So I titled this message, Atypical Attitude, and I want to start by identifying a few typical attitudes about money, and then we're going to unpack a story, a parable Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25 to identify some atypical attitudes about money. Here's typical attitude number one that many of us secretly believe. We believe that uh, more money or more things will make me more happy. Typical people always reach for more, a few more dollars, a higher high, a deeper rush to have more fun. 
But look at what the wisest man who ever lived named Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He also happened to be one of the wealthiest people that ever lived. He said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their uh, income. And he means no matter how much you uh, possess. Now, I could talk more uh, about this, and we'd still walk out of here and go, yeah, you know, more money won't make me happy. More things is not going to make me happier. But if I just had a new car, I'd be pretty happy. Or if I just had a house on the beach or on the lake, I'd be pretty happy. Actor Jim Carrey has a great quote. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous, do everything they ever dreamed of, so that they can see it's not the answer. Here's, here's a typical attitude number two when it comes to money. All the church talks about is, is uh, money. Some people question a church's or pastor's motives when they talk about money. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame you. I'd probably feel the same way if I were in your shoes. I, I do feel embarrassed about some of what goes on in the name of God when it comes to money. But our, our mission at River Glen is not to make more money. Our mission is to make more and better followers of Jesus. And so we can't ignore this subject because Jesus had so much to say about it. 40% of the parables, the stories that Jesus told are about money and possessions. Jesus talked about money and possessions. Look at this. More than he talked about faith and prayer combined. It's the number two theme in, in the Bible, over 2,500 verses on this subject. Jesus said far more about this subject than River Glen does. Not because money's bad, money's neutral, but he, know, he knew that money can get a hold of your heart. It can put a chain around your heart, and Jesus wants to free your heart so that you can love him and love others and enjoy peace and advance his mission further in this uh, world. This past year, we did, a, we did a bold act of generosity in the uh, month of October as a church. We did this together. Some of you remember the first weekend of October, we gave away the, the entire weekend offering. It was our largest offering of the year, and we gave away every single penny to demonstrate the love of Jesus and serve needs in our community and around the world. For example, we gave $15,000 of that offering to a school in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. Wallace and Mary Camel run this amazing school, and they're using this money to add a classroom for special needs students. Wallace and Mary are going to be with us in the, in the month of June, and we look forward to, to hearing more from them. And we also gave $25,000 of that offering to Habitat for Humanity in Waukesha to sponsor a new home for a needy uh, family. We're going to break ground on it in the, the spring. And not just money. We are going to send volunteers, and we're going to roll up our sleeves and pound nails and help uh, build it. Because River Glen Church is not about money. We're about the mission of Jesus. We're about making an impact and changing lives. That's why we serve the community and we open our doors to everyone. But if you're skeptical, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Stick it out, this series. Attend this series and, and ask yourself at the end of it, are, would people's lives be better or worse if they moved in the direction of Jesus' teaching? on this subject. 
And now here's the typical attitude number three, and we've all said this at one time or another. It's, it's my money, and I can do whatever I want with it. You know, our culture thinks this way. Many of us think this way. And Jesus lived in a culture that believed this way. But in Matthew uh, chapter 25, he tells a story where he explains to us how to view uh, money and possession in our lives. He teaches an atypical attitude that we've got to embrace if we ever hope to have financial freedom. He begins the story in verse 14. He says, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. And so it's about this estate owner, and he's got all this gold, bags of gold. He goes on a journey, a long journey, maybe he goes to Hawaii or somewhere, and he entrusts his, his wealth, his gold, uh, to them, to three servants, but it's still his wealth. It's still his gold, not the servants. In today's money, one of these bags of gold would be worth about $30,000. And so he gives 150000 to one guy, 60000 to another guy, 30000 to another guy. And the owner says, take care of my wealth while I'm, I'm gone. I want you to invest it. I want you to try and get a return on it. I'm entrusting it to you, but in the course of this story, Jesus teaches some atypical attitudes that push against our typical attitudes about money. Here's the first one. I'm not an owner, okay? It's not mine, and I can do what I want with it because I am a manager of God's money, which is hard for us because we're born with the opposite attitude. You know, we're born uh, with it, and if you don't believe me, I mean, just listen to it, a, a, a child a young child speak their first words. What are some of the first words that a child will say? Those of you that are parents, you know it. Help me out. It's, yeah, it's mine. Yeah. You know, my toys, my room, my food, my stuff, mine. I remember when, I, when my kids were little and we would take them to McDonald's because we wanted them to eat healthy. And I'm sitting <laughs> across from uh, one of my precious kids uh, who will rename, remain nameless and I reached over and grabbed a French fry, and my precious child slapped my hand and said, my fries, mine. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're two years old. You know, who do you think bought you these fries and gave you these fries? Listen, I could buy you more fries. I could bury you with French, French fries. And then we get older, and, you know, it's not French fries then. It's my paycheck. It's uh, my house, my car, my clothes, my vacation. But did these three guys in the story, uh, did they own the bags of gold? No. No, they were, they were managers, and a good manager takes their cue from the owner. A good manager says, thank you for entrusting me with your wealth. What do you want me to do with your resources? Here's the underlying point Jesus makes in this story. Many of you figured this out already. The owner represents God. And God has put on loan to you a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of stuff, a certain amount of, of property. But God's the owner, and you and I are just managers. Now, I know this is crazy, okay? This is atypical. Because if you walked up to somebody on the street corner and said, uh, you know, who owns, who owns what you have in your bank account? They'd look at you like you're crazy. Duh. Of course, I do. But the Bible says the opposite. For example, in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There are over 50 verses in the Bible that say the exact same thing. Now, now some of you are probably thinking, well, these are nice verses. You know, these are flowery verses. 
this concept is, is, is lovely. You know, God's the owner. Uh, I'm the manager. But listen, you know, I'm the one doing the work. I'm the one making it happen. I'm the one earning. So I think I should be able to do whatever I want. But it's almost as if God knew we would think that way. And look at what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this. And all by myself, I'm rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. Here's what God would, would say to every one of us. And I know this is atypical. Let this sink in. The brain that you have that gives you the skills uh, that you have and the strength that you have to earn the money that you have. It all came from God. The moment you think it's yours, that it came from you, and you control it, or even worse, mine, God says, fine, then you can just do this area of your life on your own, apart from me. But when we realize God owns it all, and we just manage it, we naturally want to put God first. And when we put God first in this area or any area of life, then God can bless that uh, area. I want you to repeat something with me. Uh, this, is just, this is just for fun. Uh, repeat after me. I was born naked. I'll die empty-handed. In between, I manage God's stuff. That's just the way it is. And when we understand that, that, that uh, it all belongs to God, we realize that every financial decision is a spiritual uh, decision. Here's the second atypical attitude. I'm responsible to advance the owner's goals, not my own. Back to Jesus' story. After the owner leaves, uh, what do these managers do You know, with those bags of gold that were entrusted uh, to them? Uh, verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. He gained five bags more. Uh, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And so the first two, they stepped up. You know, they accepted this assignment. They put the owner's resources to work to advance the owner's goals. But the third guy played it safe. He, had, he stayed tight-fisted. He dug a hole, and he hid the owner's money in the ground. What about you? Have you put some of the owner's resources in your wallet, in your purse, in your bank accounts that you received through an inheritance into play to advance the interest and the causes of the owner in, in, in our world? Uh, almost uh, 32 years ago, 32 years, uh, it'll be 32 years next month, Marnie and I got married. And uh, before we got married, I was just very, very typical in the way that I viewed and handled my money. But after we got married, we decided we're not going to be content to just be typical in this uh, area. And so we began to live differently than, many, than the way many of our friends lived. Uh, for example, we decided to be atypical. And outside of our home mortgage, uh, we, we paid cash for everything. We've never financed a car or a couch for our living room. We paid uh, we, we, we paid cash uh, for everything. And, and I know, you know, that may sound kind of weird. Uh, that may sound kind of odd, almost un-American, uh, but it is legal uh, to, to do that. Um, we decided to be atypical and never put anything on a credit card that we didn't pay off when we got the bill, the credit card bill, at the end of the month. And we uh, decided that we would be atypical and honor God with the first portion of our income uh, called 
a, a tithe to get God's uh, supernatural involvement in our finances. We decided that we would save 10% of everything we made and we would invest it. And that has accumulated over the years. And I know this might all sound unusual and odd, but if you want what typical people have financially, then just do what typical people do. But we've learned that if we want what few people have in this area of our lives, it starts by doing what few people do. And this has brought, uh, 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 brought a lot of financial peace into our uh, lives. Now, some of you might be wondering, what kind of you know, sophisticated, high-tech money management plan uh, do you and Marnie uh, have? Well, it is a little bit uh, complicated, but I'm, I'm going to show it to you, and, and I'll, go, I'll go slow. I've, I've shared this before, but I'm going to do a little bit different this time. And uh, I brought along 10 $1 uh, bills. And here's our, here's our plan. Okay, whenever we, whenever we get 10 of these, first thing we do is we take one or more and we give that to God as our tithe. Second thing we do, we take one or more of these and we save it for ourselves and we invest it and, uh, and then we, we, live on the, uh, we live on the rest. Now, some of you are like, what was that? You know, your eyes kind of glazed over. And uh, so let me, let me do it one more time, okay, for you. Every time we get 10 of these... First thing we do is we uh, give one or more to God. Second thing we do, we take one or more and we save it uh, for ourselves. And then uh, we just go wild and, and have fun uh, living, living on uh, the rest. And, and I know that there are you know, better, uh, more sophisticated financial plans, uh, financial systems. But I'm just telling you, as long as we have done these three things for over 30 years, we've been okay. We've never come close to the edge of, of financial disaster, and we feel peace and, and freedom. And we've taught this from day one at uh, River Glen, and God has transformed the lives of many people in this area. But for some of us, because of circumstances right now, you don't know where to start. You're like, man, I don't even know where to begin to put together a God-honoring financial plan uh, to advance the, the owner's uh, goals. Maybe, maybe you didn't grow up in a family that taught good financial principles, or uh, maybe life has just hammered away at you with unexpected circumstances, and you don't know how to climb out. And that's why I would encourage you to jump into one of our financial peace university uh, classes. It meets uh, one night a week for nine weeks, and it can literally change your finances forever. If you want to learn how to get out of debt, what kinds of insurance you need, how to save for re retirement, uh, some solid principles for investing, this is going to help you get the ball rolling. And you can stop at the Connect Wall after the service in the lobby and find out more and uh, get signed up. We're going to offer that class at both campuses beginning the first week of, of March. Now, let me show you how Jesus concluded this story. And then I'm going to give you one final atypical attitude. One day the owner returns from his trip to see what the managers have done with his, with his gold, with his wealth. Uh, verse 19, Jesus says, after a long time, the masters of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, one day all of us are going to give an account to God. The first two reported that they doubled the owner's investment. They took the owner's goals seriously because they understood that they were managers, not 
owners. And so he brought, he brought in these two guys who doubled the bags of gold from five to ten and, and two to four. And he said to them in verse 21, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of, of, of many things. I can trust you with more. Come and share your master's happiness. The owner praises and rewards them. And so here's the final atypical attitude today. I demonstrate who the owner is by honoring the owner first. Now, now think about this. There are really only five things you can do with your, your, your money. You can, you can spend it, and uh, we're pretty good at that. We don't really need coaching on that. You can pay debt. We don't like to do that, but we do it. You can pay taxes. If uh, you want to be a responsible citizen, you pay your taxes. And then if you've got some left, you can save it. And then uh, if you want, you can be uh, generous to God, uh, the owner, to others, and show generosity. But not only are these the five things that we can do with our money, they also represent the typical spending priorities, the order of priorities in our lives. First thing that we do when we get some uh, money is we, uh, we spend it. Second thing we do, we pay debt. On, for things that we've already spent money on. Uh, third, we pay taxes. Fourth, we uh, save it. And then, we, and then if we've got uh, some over, we, we give a little bit uh, away. Or to put a different spin on it, here's, here's the sequence of our priorities. Here's what it says about our priorities, okay? Me, me, we, we Americans, we pay taxes, me and God. Now, if this were the Olympics and we're giving out, you know, medals uh, for where we spend our money, okay, this would be gold medal, this would be silver medal, this would be bronze, this would be nice try, buddy, <laughs> this would be thanks for showing up, you know, try it uh, again. But in spite of putting God fifth, we still ask God, we may still ask God for help and blessing, maybe we need a job, maybe we're in a financial tight spot, maybe we just really want a, a raise or a bonus or a promotion, and we ask God for help, please, God, I want you to come through for me on this financial issue, but just know, God, you're, you're last in my life. Now, I don't know what God thinks about this, and so I'm making up this next part, but I think God's probably thinking, why? You know, why would I bless you when you put me last in your life? And I say this in love because I think, you know, almost all of us at some point live this way. And I know you're not intentionally saying, you know, God, or telling God, God, you're, you're last in my life. But if we're completely honest, he, he is. And that's why scripture teaches us that uh, we need to reverse this order when it comes to managing the owner's resources. Because God can't fully bless an area unless he is in first place in that area. And so here's the order that, that, that God tells us to go to, to make our priorities. First, we give to God. We get God involved in our finances. We give him the first portion. And then we save. And then we pay taxes. And then we uh, pay debt. And then we uh, you know, go and just have fun and live on the rest. That is the owner's priorities. Proverbs chapter 3 puts it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits, the first portion of all your crops, the way to give back, the idea is that you give back to God in a way that says, God, I want to honor you. Everything I have comes from you. And so, God, I honor you first. I came across an atypical story 
of, of somebody who lives that way. His name is Alan Barnhart, and uh, he has a, a very, he's been on a very atypical journey uh, financially, and it all began because he really believes that God owns it all, and he is a manager. Take a look. My name's Alan Barnhart. I'm the CEO of Barnhart Crane and Rigging Company, a company that started in 1986. I have six children and a wonderful wife, Catherine. In college, I had learned to study scripture. And so I decided that I would read through the Bible and see what it had to say about business and about money. And the two primary takeaways for me, one was that everything that I have has come from God and, and still belongs to God. Um, I'm a steward and not an owner, and that I need to figure out what God wants me to do with his stuff. And uh, so many verses that led me to that. The other th takeaway was there were so many warnings about um, the dangers of wealth, the dangers of riches. We consider riches a blessing. Many times Jesus talked about it in different terms and the challenge and the struggle that can come from, from uh, wealth. Um, so it was just verse after verse that made me think success could hurt me. My brother and I had an opportunity to start our own business. And, and so we, as we were talking about that and how, um, how we should be looking at this business, we decided that we would go into partnership together, but first we'd put some safeguards in our life. And those safeguards were, were settling the issue of ownership. We basically said, this is everything we have is God's, including this company. We together with our wives um, committed to that. The second thing was we said we want to put a, a lifestyle finish line on ourselves um, and said if, if the company generates more money than it takes to, to produce that kind of a lifestyle, we're going to not see it as a call to increase lifestyle, but instead see it as a call to use that money to advance the kingdom. The third thing we did is we built some accountability into our life for those commitments. You know, it's easy to make a commitment and it's hard to stay with it over a long period of time. And so we, uh, we decided that we would communicate that commitment to some of our coworkers and basically say, the fruits of your labor won't go to increase my lifestyle, it's capped. The fruits of your labor will go to increase the kingdom. And uh, we thought it was very helpful to have that accountability. And as we look back 31 years, we're very thankful that we put those things in place, those safeguards in place before we had any money. First year, we made a little bit of money. I think uh, we had about $50,000 that we generated that we were able to send out to ministries. The business grew some, and we, uh, the next year, I think we had $150,000 we were able to send out. And we were just amazed at what God was doing. And, uh, you know, long story short, this company grew about 25% a year for the next 25 years. And so it, it went from a really little small company with about 10 people in Memphis to a, um, a company that works all over the United States now, and we have about 1,400 people. So it's, it really, the company really changed over the years. And you know, I, I really don't think God is impressed with the numbers of zeros and commas. I mean, I think that um, God wants us to be faithful with what he, what he gives us. The company grew a lot and it became worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And it set up all kinds of issues about a state plan. One of, one of us died and there's all kinds of headaches associated with that with the estate taxes that would be due. 
And so we started going through a planning process and it was expensive, it was difficult, and we said, you know, this is God's company. Let's just see if we can give it away. And uh, we went to our advisors and we said, we wanna, we wanna take our company and we wanna give it away so that we don't have this estate tax problem. It's always been God's company anyway. And uh, they, they thought that was a very bad idea. <laughs> they didn't, they thought it was dumb. Um, and we connected with the guys over at the National Christian Foundation and we told them what we wanted to do and they didn't think it was crazy. They thought it was something that would made perfect sense. And so we went through the process um, in 2007 and eight, we, we took 99% of the company and put it into a trust and a few years later put the last 1% into the trust. So we no longer own the company, but we continue as the trustee of this trust to be stewards of the company. Um, we continue to operate it. We continue to be just as motivated as we ever were to make the company a great company. Um, but we, we no longer hold the ownership. I think that greed is one of the choice tools of our enemy. And I'm convinced that generosity, that, that holding what we have with an open hand, breaks the power of greed. And it's, it's what we have found in our life. Um, the more we have given, the more we have. And I think being the steward of something means that you operate it um, for the interest of the owner. And um, it all belongs to God. Let me ask the owner what he wants me to do with it. I have rights to nothing. None of it belongs to me. Wow, isn't that a great story? Yeah, I thought that was really inspirational. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, his company has given away over $100 million to the kingdom of God. Now, keep in mind, they started small. You know, when the company was meeting in a, a bedroom in his house, they converted into an, an office. But I love atypical stories like that about God's ownership, God's faithfulness, and blessing. And so I thought about how could I teach you this concept that God owns it all and we're just managers of his uh, money, because when you really embrace this concept, you, I mean, it just changes you. You, you, you will naturally want to manage your money well, and you will, you will naturally want to put God first, and, and you will enjoy uh, financial uh, peace. And so I wanted a simple, practical way to try and teach this to you today. So go ahead and grab that uh, green envelope that we uh, handed you. If you're watching online, uh, you can pick one of these up. Stop at our office, and you can be uh, part of this. And you can go ahead and uh, open that up and, and look inside, and uh, there's a dollar in uh, each one of these. And you can take that home uh, with you. Uh, you came to church today, so you get a dollar. Isn't that good? But I want to be clear about uh, something. This is, this is not the church's money. No, this is, this is my personal uh, money. And uh, I'm not joking about this, and uh, this may be one of the dumbest things that I've ever done. Uh, my wife thinks it might be, uh, but I, uh, I went to the bank, and, and just to show you, I went to the bank this week, and I, and I took out enough money to give every person, both locations, uh, a dollar bill. You should have seen the face on the uh, uh, teller when I uh, asked for all these singles, and I almost cleaned them out. She wasn't sure. There, were, there was actually more than that around the corner, uh, but uh, she worked it out, and, and she, uh, she, she pulled it, pulled it all uh, together, and this is what it looks like to walk out with a bag of money, 
from the bank. I felt like a drug dealer, you know, carrying that much money or, or, or something. Now, here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to carry this in your wallet, uh, in your purse, all week long. And here's why I want you to do this. I want you to feel the tension of carrying somebody else's money. Now, some of you are going to want to give it back to me. Some of you are going to want to leave it you know, at your uh, campus because you don't want uh, the responsibility. But I'm not taking it back today. And you can't give it to the church it's not, because it's not the church's money. It's, it's my money. And so bring it next week, and I'll tell you where you can put it. But I want you to carry it this week, and I want you to bring it back next week uh, because if you don't bring it back, my wife's going to be really upset at me, and we're not going to be able to pay our bills, pay our utilities. Uh, we're not going to be able to uh, eat. And so I'm trusting you with, with my money. I'm trusting that you're going to bring uh, my money back, and, and next weekend we're going to have some containers where you can, where you can put it uh, in. Now, now God uh, only asks you to bring back 10%, okay? That's called a, t- a tithe. Uh, I'm asking you to bring 100% back, okay? Don't flip me a dime. All right, But this is, a, I think, a tangible reminder that every day you carry God's money. It all belongs to him. You're just a manager of it. The money in your wallet, God's. In your purse, God's. In your bank accounts, it's God's. The money you received as an inheritance from parents or grandparents, it's God's. The car you drive, God's. The house where you live, God's. The clothes that you wear, God's. And we all need to feel this tension of carrying God's money. It's not like, you know, just the first 10% is his. It's, it's, it all belongs to him. And he trusts us to manage his money and to demonstrate that he is our first priority by honoring him with the first portion of our income. And so every time you pull up your bank account online, you ought to feel that tension that you're managing God's money. It's a spiritual issue. So if there's any part of your life where God is not number one, you know what you're really saying is, God, I don't need your help. I don't need your blessing in this area. But a follower of Jesus says, "Uh, God, I'm bringing all of me. I surrender all. It's not my life. It's yours. And so I want to pray today and close the service And uh, maybe for you, there's an area in your life that you have not yet surrendered to God. And maybe it's not this area. Maybe you have surrendered 19 out of 20 areas to God, but you still still have this one area uh, where you haven't yet. And today is the day that you could say, God, it's all yours. God, I surrender every area in my life to you. Let me pray for us. And, uh, and then Dave is going to say a few words in Pewaukee. God, this is a challenging subject for us to talk about and think about. But it's also very fun and exciting when we think about what it could mean to our lives, what it could mean to the adventure of faith and the financial freedom we could experience if we're willing to be atypical and do what few people do so we could experience what few people experience in this area of our lives. God, we acknowledge today we are not owners but managers of your stuff. So help us grow in this area of our lives. Help us to surrender every area of our life to you, whatever it is, so that we can experience your blessing in every area. 
God, we thank you that you didn't hold anything back from us. You didn't give us second best, third best, fourth best, fifth best. But you gave us your very best. You gave us your first best when you gave us your only son who paid the price for us on the cross. And we are forever grateful for that extraordinary payment. May we be more like you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week. Uh, Please remember to bring my money back. And have a great day, everybody.